Now, we have come to the point where any legislator who is accepting donations directly or indirectly from the gun lobby, any legislator who has a high rating with the National Rifle Association belongs out of office. And I don't care whether they're Republican or Democrat. They belong out. And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com, where you will find news you can't find anywhere else for Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. We're delighted that uh, crack news person Linda Stein is with us, as usual. The news editor, Linda, how are you? Great, thanks. How are you, Michael? I, I've been accused of calling you the Jimmy Olson of, uh, of Delaware Valley Journal, but I think you're far more important. I think I have to boost you to lowest lane status. That's my, that's my belief. Great. I appreciate that. <laughs> or at least maybe Brenda Starr. Oh, no, no. Let's, uh, we haven't earned that yet. We got to take this one step at a time. And obviously there's a lot of news in the southeastern corner of Pennsylvania having to do with the uh, uh, local campaigns and with the uh, U.S. Senate race. Now that we have a Republican nominee and a Democratic nominee and questions about health and questions about Republican unity. So we are going to absolutely talk about that in the weeks to come between now and November. But the pressing topic uh, across the Delaware Valley is gun violence, not just in the wake of the uh, horrific school shooting in Texas, but in the uh, violence that continues in the city of Philadelphia. And one of the uh, two of the people who are trying to do something about that, uh, Representative Martina White of Philadelphia, joined with Representative Craig Williams uh, of uh, Chad's Ford to propose empowering the community of Philadelphia to do more about gun crime. Exactly how would that work? Well, well, let's ask Representative Williams. Thanks for joining us here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. Thank you, Michael. I'm glad to be here. So what is the the bill you guys have proposed? And I, and I understand that it has elapsed. Is, am, am I understanding that correctly? Um, that's, that's a little bit of a mix. So Act 58 was, um, was passed a few years ago. Uh, Act 58 would give the Attorney General concurrent jurisdiction in Philadelphia uh, to prosecute gun crimes um, and specifically felon in possession. So I, I, I think I've talked to you and Linda before. I'm a former federal prosecutor with the Department of Justice in both Philadelphia and pre previous to that um, in the District of Colorado. And I was also the chief prosecutor of the Marine Corps Reserves and the chief prosecutor at Camp Pendleton. Um, one of the staples of my prosecutorial diet was gun crime. And specifically under Title 18, it is both a federal crime and a state crime for a previously convicted felon to even possess a gun, to even possess a gun. And then there's another longer list of people who are also prohibited from possessing a gun. The sentences for those crimes are extraordinary because it's based on their criminal history. Um, if, you, if you can imagine a, a prior convicted felon has been found with a gun, he's probably on his second, third, or fourth felony conviction. So Act 58 would have given um, Josh Shapiro concurrent jurisdiction in the city to prosecute um, people unlawfully in possession of guns and also straw purchasers. Um, he did not use that authority. And so it expired earlier uh, this year. Um, the House Bill 2275, which is prime sponsored by me and Representative White, is to give the Attorney General that concurrent jurisdiction back. And then in the process of negotiating that bill with the Attorney General's office, uh, we actually, I added an amendment um, that, would, that would establish 
a gun violence task force in the city of the first class, Philadelphia, with some pretty serious teeth. And I can get into that also. If you'd like. Well, I want to follow up with one thing, because this is a common complaint that uh, we've heard at Inside Sources about prosecuting gun crime across the country, which is that uh, every day cops find felons in possessions of in possession of guns which as you just noted means you, you know if people just enforce the law they basically go straight to jail it's a serious crime right. and yet i'm told that it rarely happens that it's either they simply don't press the charge or the charge is negotiated down because prosecutors are trying to not send those people largely young men to jail. Is that what's happening on the ground in reality, separate from the law? That may or may not be the case in Philadelphia. I will tell you that one, and, and there's a program in the Department of Justice called Project Safe Neighborhoods, which devotes itself to prosecuting these uh, Title 18, Section 922G cases, these felon in possession. And so my prosecutorial caseload was almost entirely filled with these kinds of, of gun cases. And I can tell you that it's an extremely effective tool in both getting um, illegal guns off the street, felons in possession off the street, sending a deterrent message, and, and, and basically taking your street backs if, if you're serious about doing it. Now, that being said, Larry Krasner has said publicly on a number of occasions that he believes a prior felon in possession of a, of a, of a gun is simply a possession case, which he is not inclined to prosecute. But you can still prosecute these cases in the United States Attorney's Office where I came from. Sure. And in fact, in last year's budget, I got an additional $3 million sent to um, uh, PCCD to hire more prosecutors out of the DA's office in Philadelphia and the DA's office in Delaware County, who will become special assistant United States attorneys, federal prosecutors at the U.S. Attorney's Office to exclusively prosecute felon and possession cases. I believe they've already hired about four or five of those prosecutors, and I'm going to seek the $3 million in the budget again this year. Uh, so, Representative Williams, um, from what I understand, A.G. Shapiro did not use um, Act 58, but if he had, do you think that that would have prevented a lot of uh, gun crimes, including murders in Philadelphia? I, I want to be clear. That's a great question, Linda, and I want to be very clear about this because you know I'm I'm taking pushback on this as well. That they say prosecuting gun crimes after the fact is of no value whatsoever. But what people are, are not hearing in this message is this is proactive prosecution. In other words, if you here's a perfect example. My last trial involved a young man getting into a motorcycle accident in North Philadelphia. When he was taken to the emergency room at Temple, they found a gun in his pants. He had committed no act of gun violence, but because he was a prior convicted felon and had a gun in his pants, he had convicted he had had committed another felony. And by convicting him of that unlawful possession because he was a prior felon, we prevented him from doing any future gun violence, at least while he's in prison. And that's why these measures are are proactive. This is about taking your streets back. This is about being aggressive with prosecution of felon and possessions. You know, I, I, we haven't talked yet about the shooting over the weekend, but I can guarantee you that of the five shooters that were involved in that, 
I bet none of right. those guns were possessed lawfully. And well, I, let me interrupt. I, let me interrupt you right there because I want to ask a follow-up question, yeah. which is that uh, the media coverage have described that as a mass shooting. Uh, and uh, tried to put it in the context of the horror that we saw in upstate New York and, uh, of course, uh, at the school in uh, Texas. I think that even though it technically meets an, you know, an FBI definition, that that's misleading and, and it, it, it hides one problem inside another. Not that they're not both problems. Do you agree with my premise? And could you explain what you see as the difference between the kind of violence we saw at the school in Texas versus the kind of pro pro crime that's uh, facing Philadelphia, and they require two different sets of solutions. I, I agree. I, I agree completely. And, you know, what I've tried to say to both my constituents and people on both sides of the aisle is I'm, I'm open to conversations about how we're going to stop the Texas shooting and, and others like it, Sandy Hook, Parkland. Um, those are overwhelmingly young men, overwhelmingly young men. I think the, the, the shooting statistics are something in the, in the category of 5% of women are committing these shootings. It's overwhelmingly young men who are disturbed, who have been giving us inclinations that they were going to do this. Um, that is very much distinguished from what's happening in our Commonwealth, especially in the city of Philadelphia, where we've lost control of our streets. We've lost control of the city. And that's that's exactly what I'm I'm fighting back on. Mm -hmm. I have a history of being a prosecutor. I have a history of being tough on crime, and I'm fighting back. And what I'm looking for on both sides of the aisle are people that are going to join me. So when we brought House Bill 2275 to the floor a few weeks ago, um, I had to defend it under interrogation from the Democrats in Philadelphia, who um, did not want this bill passed, and it passed with overwhelming bipartisan support with the exception of the, the Democrats in Philadelphia who voted against it. Voted against well, is it, it. Go ahead. Well, is it largely uh, gang-related gun crime is what we're seeing in Philadelphia? I don't know that we can say that it's organized gun violence. Um, most of the time it involves a, a felon. Uh, gun violence is overwhelmingly committed by prior convicted felons. And we have the tools to go after them. One thing we haven't talked about yet is this amendment that I put on House Bill 2275 to give the Gun Violence Task Force in Philadelphia some, some real teeth. Um, right now, the Gun Violence Task Force finds guns at crime scenes and does an investigation about where the gun came from. Now, the Gun Violence Task Force is going to have, it's going to be overseen by the Attorney General. It'll have members of the District Attorney's Office. It invites the United States Attorney's Office law enforcement officers from Philly PD, from SEPTA, from campus police, all of these agencies are gonna to be together on one task force. Right. 48 hours of any gun arrest, it has to be reported to the task force and they're gonna decide which of those three jurisdictions is gonna prosecute the gun crime. That is a real effort, that is fighting back. And at the end of the year, we're gonna get a report back to the General Assembly from the task force about how many arrests were made involving guns, how many charging instruments, how many convictions, what were the sentences? And I bet we start to see a turning of the tide when it becomes clear to the criminal element of Philadelphia that we're serious about fighting crime. Uh, Representative, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned the term of art straw purchase. For our listeners, what exactly is that and why is it so bad? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, in the same 
in the same vein that a prior convicted felon, and, and I just want to put it aside here, it's not just prior convicted felons, it's anybody who's been assessed with a, a mental health disorder, um, drug addicts, alcoholics, illegal immigrants, somebody with a dishonorable discharge from the military. There's about 20 different categories of people who are not allowed to possess a firearm, even possess a firearm, have it in their possession. So what they do to get around the acquisition problems that they have, they of course can't pass a background check, is they'll have someone else who can pass a background check, go in and purchase the gun for them and then pass it along. That is both the state and the federal crime. So you mentioned that uh, uh, gun law what I find interesting is that because we have this national conversation going on about the uh, uh, high profile mass shooter events, I'll use that complicated phrase instead of mass shooting since it causes confusion. Mm -hmm. the, you know, people focus in those cases on rifles, on large capacity magazines with rifles. And, you know, when you're talking about, as we mentioned before, you know, the uh, these school shootings, that makes sense. But the overwhelming crime in Philadelphia, if and please correct if I'm wrong, is just handguns. That rifles are almost never used for homicides in Philadelphia, and that if you try to say, well, we're going to restrict uh, certain classes of long guns because of the ammo they can hold and the scary stuff on them, aka assault weapons, you're just going to ignore the real life day to day violence, which is, you know, you know like you said, people either involved in criminal activity or who are, shouldn't be carrying a gun and they carry a grudge and then they end up in a shootout in the middle of an event like this weekend. That's just not, the, it's not the same weapons. It's not the same people. It's not the same buyers. It's, it's not even close to the same. The, the overwhelming number of homicides committed in Philadelphia and in the Commonwealth are done so with handguns. So, you know, it's, it's a bit specious, in my opinion, for somebody to be saying, if we just got rid of certain forms of long guns, then this problem will be under control. We'll still won't have um, control of our streets back in Philadelphia. We still won't be prosecuting prior, prior convicted felons in possession. We still won't be prosecuting straw purchases. All of those people will still have handguns, and all of those people will still be committing murder in, in the city of the first class. Um, you know, I, I, I say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek to people all the time. It's like, if passing a law to prohibit one certain thing or one certain kind of activity would be adequate to make it stop, why don't we make murder illegal, right? <laughs> exactly. If, 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 if we would just make murder illegal, then people would stop murder. Yeah, you, you, you got these crazy ideas. You're going to get yourself in some trouble, Representative Williams. Really got to pull it back in. Yeah. Well, uh, but, one, one thing I'm wondering, have you heard anything about um, whether um, when the Senate is, is going to take this bill up and, and whether it has a good chance to pass? And um, what about the know. governor? How does he lean on it? Well, I, I will say that, you know, it, it took quite a bit of back and forth with the attorney general's office to get this gun violence task force um, amendment into House Bill 2275 so that there's some real teeth in um, setting up the structure of it, the reporting of it, and the mechanics of it. Um, I'm proud of the work that we did with the Attorney General's office. I think because of that work, the governor would be likely to sign it. I don't see how he could veto it if we're you know, willing to, to all pull the sled together in one direction. Um, the Senate has not yet take, taken it up in the Judiciary Committee. Um, I have put pressure on my leadership to put pressure on them. Um, we are in session now for four consecutive weeks to work on the budget, and I'm hopeful that it will go through that. 
let's wrap up talking about what has to be talked about with this, which is politics, because you're trying to get something to pass. And I thought it was interesting that uh, District Attorney Krasner over the weekend in the wake of this violence uh, blamed it on, quote, the gun lobby. He didn't he said that people, state representatives and legislators who accept money from, quote, the gun lobby should not even be allowed to hold office. Uh, and I thought that was interesting on a couple of, of levels. Number one being that the National Rifle Association do, it doesn't even make the list of the top 50 biggest political donors in the country, while other groups like labor unions, et cetera, do. And then the second part is the idea that uh, people who are trying to find a way to fight crime while at the same time protect the constitutionally protected right must be, you know, in the in the sway of some evil force. The, the headline I saw at the uh, Democrats website was how much did the NRA pay to buy off the GOP? Well, Representative Williams, you're a Republican. You seem to actually support Second Amendment rights to some degree. How much did the NRA pay to buy you off? I've not taken one red cent from the NRA or any gun lobbying group. I will tell you that I'm a 28 year Marine Corps colonel a combat veteran of Desert Storm, decorated in that war. Um, I believe in the Constitution. I believe in my constitutional rights. I do believe that we've got to do something to take care of our public safety, and I'm willing to have conversation about what that means with regard to gun rights. Um, but I'm not going to sit by and do nothing when I have all of these tools right. sitting in front of me, a career of being a prosecutor, a background of knowing how to fight crime and not calling crime what it is, which is crime, right? Right. Criminals but walking the street and shooting into a crowd of hundreds of people. I don't know how many were downtown on South Street, but I bet it was hundreds mm -hmm. shooting into a crowd as part of what looks like to be some internecine conflict amongst groups on the street aren't going to stop because we have a debate about the Second Amendment. Or but I also, but or, let me interrupt because I think there's something more profound, which is if you're having a conversation saying, look, here's where I think the line should be. And then some of they say a Philadelphia, you know, Democrats having, no, I think the line should be here. That's a debate. That's fine. Right. But if the debate is going to be, well, you only support your position because you're evilly enthralled. What did Krasner you know, put it? You know, the gun, the gun lobbies, they're the, they've turned us into this, uh, you know, heavily armed society and they do not, they're not entitled to remain in office. He's basically saying you shouldn't be allowed to serve because of your, you know, whatever, your political opinion or because of the people who support you. And I just don't understand how we can find consensus and common ground if it's one side's good and the other side's evil, as opposed to two sides, you know, just disagreeing and trying to find the best way forward. I don't know if you saw the interview um, yesterday with Mayor Kinney, mm -hmm. but um, that's as close as he has said, in my opinion, to, I'm sorry, as close as he's gotten to saying, We've lost control of the streets. We need all hands on deck, federal, right. state, and local to start prosecuting these cases. What he was talking about, and I know that he's aware of it because I've, I've heard it in conversation, he is aware of this gun violence task force and he mm -hmm. wants it passed and he wants it stood up and he wants it um, uh, affecting criminal prosecutions. Deterrence works. I have a career of criminal deterrence and it works. And I'm, and I'm with you. And the reason I bring up the mayor is because I, I believe he's also well beyond this um, partisan brinkmanship. Right. That the only reason people are dying in Philadelphia, and there was a time when the attorney general was saying this also, but he stopped saying it. 
The only reason people are dying in Philadelphia is because of Republicans in Harrisburg. No, the reason people are dying in Philadelphia is because criminals have guns and are shooting people. We need to stop them. Representative Craig Williams, we really appreciate your time. I just want to know that I am not in thrall of the NRA either, but if they'd like to send me a check, I'd be more than happy to take it. So if anyone knows how to get that mailing address, no. But seriously, we really appreciate your time, and we'll be watching to see how far this legislation progresses. Thank you very much, Michael Linda. Thank you for your service. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.